please turn with me to Psalm 103. And uh, if you're visiting with us, we've been working our way through familiar psalms for forgetful people. Last year we looked at the Psalms of Ascent, last summer from Psalm 120 to 134. Several years ago we looked at a, a summer sermon series through the Psalms called Forgotten Psalms for Forgetful People. And the Psalms are an anchor uh, for God's people, for worship, for encouragement, for strength, right in the middle of our Bibles. So Psalm 103 is a psalm that I'm sure you've read before, that you're familiar with, and let's ask God to bless uh, His Word to us this morning. Psalm 103 is the psalm of David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known His ways to Moses, His acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, he will not, nor will He keep His anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love toward those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does He remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear Him. He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him and His righteousness to children's children, to those who keep His covenant and remember to do His commandments. The Lord has established His throne in the heavens and His kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you His angels, you mighty ones who do His word, obeying the voice of the Lord. Bless the Lord, all His hosts, His ministers who do His will. Bless the Lord, all His works in all places of His dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you again thankful for the privilege to worship you, the privilege to come to sing your praises, to confess our sins, to profess our faith, to sing and read about our great God and the redemption that you've worked for us through Jesus Christ. And I pray that you would use Psalm 103 in our hearts and our lives today to to restart and to refuel us in the things of God I pray that you be glorified. We need your help. We can't do this alone. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever had a lawnmower or a trimmer or a chainsaw that just won't start? 
you pull and pull and pull on the starter rope, but it will not turn over. It ran fine last time. I don't know what's wrong with this thing. Then if you eventually do get it to start, black smoke pours out of the exhaust and it makes this awful, screeching, unnatural noise. I hate to break it to you, but those are all signs that something is wrong problem could be small. Maybe you need a new spark plug. Maybe you need to clean out the air filter. Maybe there's water in the gasoline because it's been sitting up all winter. But the bottom line is your mower, your chainsaw, your trimmer, it needs attention. Maybe it needs a tune-up or maybe it needs a complete overhaul. Have you ever felt like your spiritual life just won't start? You pull and pull and pull but the engine just doesn't seem to run. It doesn't turn over. And if it does, it sounds like a helicopter coming in for landing. Something's not right. If you can relate to that, you are not alone. At different times and at different seasons, maybe through discouragement or suffering or failure or difficulties at home or work, difficulties in your own heart, Maybe through grief or apathy or betrayal or temptation or addiction or guilt, shame, secret sin or all sorts of other reasons. It feels like the engine of your life with God just isn't firing on all cylinders. Those are telltale signs that we need a spiritual tune-up. And here's the thing. We don't have to wait until the engine won't start or the motor runs, burns oil before we take action. You've heard the adage, right? An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. So, in God's kindness, in His mercy, He has given us Psalm 103, a familiar psalm for forgetful people as a call, as a pattern, as a gift, as an example, as an encouragement, as a, as a biblical how-to video about retooling our spiritual lives, about finding refreshment and renewal in God, whether we need routine maintenance or a major overhaul. Psalm 103 teaches and trains us about how to reconnect with God and how to flourish and thrive in our spiritual lives. And so wherever you are this morning, whatever place you're coming from, if the engine won't start or things seem to be going well, Psalm 103 is for you. And the theme of Psalm 103 is very clear. Six times in 22 verses we hear these words, Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. The Lord. That is six times in 22 verses. That's an interpretive clue. This is the theme of Psalm 103. And Alex talked a little bit about blessing. We talked a little bit about blessing last week. Remember, we, we talk about blessing God because we've received the blessing of God, and then we can return, reflect that blessing back to God and down to other people. And so Psalm 67 reminds us we've been blessed to be a blessing. And so God. Blessing God means to praise and honor and magnify and thank and adore and lift up His name. This is an integral part 
of our spiritual lives. It's a, a huge part of retooling and retuning our spiritual lives. Bless the Lord. But how do we do that? What does it look like? First thing I want us to see is in verses 1 through 5, blessing the Lord is something that is personal. And the first part of blessing the Lord is what we see expressed in Psalm 103. David talks to himself. You ever talk to yourself? Don't lie. I've seen you walking down the hall, chatting away with no earbuds in sight. Um, One of the things that stands out about Psalm 103 is this. David is talking to himself. He's reminding himself, his heart, his soul, about who God is and what God's done and how he's done it. And we see the same pattern in Psalm 42. Remember, why are you downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones has written a classic Christian book called Spiritual Depression. This is what he says. The main art... The main art in the matter of spiritual living is to know how to handle yourself. You have to take yourself by the hand. You have to address yourself, preach to yourself, question yourself. And that's what David does here. It's something that we need to learn to do as well. Lloyd-Jones goes on, The main trouble in this whole matter of spiritual depression, in a sense, is this, that we allow ourselves to talk to us instead of us talking to ourselves. So some call it preaching the gospel to yourselves. Whatever you might call it, the point is this. A huge part of the tune-up, of the maintenance, of the overhaul of our spiritual lives is talking to ourselves about the truths of God, about the promises of God, which are deeply personal. Look at verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me, bless his holy name. It's from the heart. David begins by stirring up his heart to praise the Lord. Real worship, blessing, takes our entire being. It takes our heart, our actions, our words, our emotions, our bodies. Because here's the thing, at the core, at its core, Christianity is not about doing, it's about being. It's about relationship with God. And so when we bless the Lord, it needs to come from the inside out, from the heart. So talk to yourselves from the heart and don't forget. You're having a dinner party at your house. You're having family over. uh, you're, You're heading out to the store to get a few things. Your wife says, hey, can you pick up a bag of ice for me? Yeah, honey, I got you, babe. Um... You walk in the door an hour later, oh, I forgot the ice. We are forgetful people. Talk to yourself from the heart and don't forget. Forget not all his benefits. We suffer from spiritual amnesia and one of the constant refrains from the Bible is remember what the Lord has done for you. Remember Lamentations 3? This I will call to mind, therefore I will have hope. Don't forget what? Look at verse 3. He forgives all your iniquities. David starts here. It's first on the list. David knew he would be nowhere without the forgiveness and acceptance of 
of God. It's good for us to give thanks to God for all the different things in our lives, but brothers and sisters, where would we be without the forgiveness of God? Verse 4, he talks about redemption. He redeems your life from the pit. Forgiveness includes redemption through his life and death and resurrection. Jesus Christ purchased a people for his own possession. Colossians chapter 1 says it like this, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Verse 3 also says, He heals all your diseases. And this is not a promise that we'll never get sick or we'll never suffer, but think about how many times God has held and restored and protected, and preserved, and strengthened, and sustained you in your life. Bless the Lord. It's personal. Talk to yourself from the heart. Don't forget that He forgives our iniquities. He heals our diseases. Look at verse 4. He crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. God puts a crown on your head. But you think to yourself, I'm not uh, royalty. I'm not in line for any special honors, but God crowns us with His covenant love, and it is a badge and an honor and a medal that we should wear with joy. We're used to earning our accolades and achievements, right? Our resumes list all the the good things that we've accomplished in our lives, and one of the things that's so mind-blowing about Christianity is that we haven't earned the crown of God's covenant love. In fact, we've broken God's covenant. We've broken the deal. But God loves us so much that He's promised, and He's completed that promise. He's promised from the very beginning that He will do whatever it takes to deliver us. Remember these words from 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul says, There's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who loved his appearing. Notice it's not the crown of Paul's righteousness. It's not the crown of our righteousness. It's the crown of Christ's righteousness that he gives to us. He crowns us with steadfast love and mercy. I don't want to illustrate this from sports Uh, This is one of the things I love about sports. When someone wins a tournament, they win the championship, they share the victory and the glory and the trophy with their family or with someone that they love. Last weekend, Lucas Glover, Greenville native, Wade Hampton High School alum like myself, um, he, he won the Wyndham Championship. And after sinking the final putt, His children and his wife ran out onto the 18th hole and they embraced him. He made all the shots. He made the drives and the chips and the putts. But it was his great joy and his pleasure to share it with his family. And in some small way, that's like what Jesus does with us. He wins the victory, then he celebrates with us. He crowns us with his love as if we we have won the championship, and then he makes us more than conquerors through himself. 
See, it's really, really important that we not forget this. Because sin is complicated and personal. It brings up the scars and the baggage. Satan and the flesh are so deceptive and cunning. It's hard for us to believe that we can really be forgiven, that we can really be redeemed, that we can really be loved by God. So God gives us images. He gives us some pictures of what this love is really like. Look at verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. If you go north, eventually, hypothetically, you'll cross the North Pole and you'll start going south. If you go south, far enough, you'll start going north again. But east and west have no limit. Our sin, our guilt, our shame, through Jesus Christ, gone. As a spiritual exercise and a tune-up, when confusion enters our minds, when imposter syndrome sets in, how could you call yourself a Christian? You're a joke. You've gone too far. You've done too much. When the mistakes of the past and the struggles of the present are staring you in the face, we need to have a talk with ourselves. We need to preach the gospel to ourselves and forget not all of his benefits. Bless the Lord. It's personal. Notice what verse 5 says, that he, he satisfies us with good. Brothers and sisters, God doesn't just forgive us our sins and then put us out on the street. He satisfies us with good. How? He gives us a good home. He adopts us into his family. He promises us, us a heavenly home. He gives us a good uh, He gives us our daily bread. He gives us fellowship with our forever family. He satisfies us with the good of knowing that He holds us in the palm of His hand. The good of knowing that He's on mission, that He's working, that His kingdom is moving forward even when we're discouraged. And what is the result in verse 5? So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. It doesn't mean that everyone's going to automatically be physically rejuvenated like they're 20 years old again. But it means that no matter how old or what your body is like, your spirit can be renewed and revitalized with childlike joy and a twinkle in your eyes. And I've seen it in older saints who are filled with gratitude and they testify, God has been so good to me. Bless the Lord. It's personal. Talk to yourself from the heart to the heart. Don't forget what God has done for you. How or where do you need to remember and recall God's promises to retune and recalibrate your heart this morning to sing His praise? Bless the Lord is personal. Verses 6 through 18 also show us that it's factual. 
1 through 5 are deeply personal. They're intimate reminders to bless the Lord. And then 6 through 18 are like a barrage, a bombardment, a flood of facts about the nature and character of God. And here are some of the things that stand out. Verse 6, God is righteous. Kurt prayed about it, about this verse. God is a just judge who works righteousness. And God's eye is particularly, verse 6 says, toward the oppressed. He's toward the vulnerable. He's toward those who are weak. We're going to see this theme play out as we wade back into Exodus in a few weeks. It's also one of the recurring themes of the prophets. God is a just and righteous God. God is gracious, verses 8 through 10. Grace is a saturated Christian term. We use it so much we can easily lose sight of its true meaning. Well, let's have a short refresher about grace. Mercy is not getting what we deserve in a good way. It's not getting the punishment that our sins deserve. Verse 10 talks about this. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. That is mercy. But grace goes one step further. Grace is, what we, grace is getting what we don't deserve in a good way. So we have mercy from God, and He gives us grace. 2 Corinthians 5.21 talks about it like this. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We need to bless the Lord for the fact that he's gracious, because it's too good to be true. It can't be real, can it? Grace is such a scarce commodity in our world. We live in a savage, cancel culture, but we need to be reminded that God is gracious. God is not like us. Verses 11 through 17 talk about the fact that God is love. Not only does God crown us with His steadfast love, four times in Psalm 103, His steadfast love is mentioned, and that's important. 103 verse 11, As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love toward those who fear Him. I'm about to geek out with you for a second. One light year is around 6 trillion miles, give or take a billion. The farthest star ever discovered in our universe is about 28 billion light years away. 6 trillion times 28 billion. Don't do the math. Trust me, it's a large number. God's love for us is way higher and longer and wider and deeper than that. Verses 15 through 17. Mankind is like grass. We're like the flower of the field. The wind passes over it. It's gone. Its place remembers it no more. We're here today, we're gone tomorrow, but God's steadfast love is from everlasting to everlasting. It's eternal, unchangeable. So much of what's called love in this world is lust, 
and talk and manipulation and conditional and selfish, but true, faithful, steadfast, sacrificial, dying, radical love. The love of God is categorically different and it lasts forever. Preach and teach that good news to yourself. It's a fact. Bless the Lord. Verses 13 through 14, God is compassionate. As a father has compassion toward his children, the Lord is compassionate toward those who fear him. He knows our frame. He remembers that we're dust. Parents, even when you're frustrated with your kids, when you're disappointed, as we say in the South, when you're on your last nerve, you still have compassion on your children, right? God is the perfect father. He is a compassionate father. We see it play out with Jesus as he saw the multitudes and he had compassion on them as sheep without a shepherd. We see it with Jesus as he wept over Jerusalem. We see it in the parable of the prodigal son. The father is waiting And he sees his son afar off and he runs to greet him and he hugs him and he kisses him and he says, this son of mine was dead and now he's alive again. He was filled with compassion. Brothers and sisters, God moves toward us in our weakness. He knows that we're scared and nervous and foolish sheep. He is compassionate toward us. And God's compassion isn't simply in abstract terms. Hebrews 4 reminds us, Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace in time of need. Bless the Lord for this fact. God is a compassionate Father to us. Verse 19 says that God is sovereign. The Lord has established His throne in the heavens. His kingdom rules over all. God is king. The Lord God omnipotent reigns. We are not God. He is God. And this is an area where we we get this on paper. Theologically, this is part of our heritage. We understand the sovereignty of God. But practically... We betray this truth. When we say we believe in the sovereignty of God, but we're gripped with anger and resentment and anxiety, the Lord is really in control. Last thing I want us to see, and this is a short point, so don't get nervous. Uh, Bless the Lord. It's universal, verses 20 through 22. As David winds down this psalm, he spontaneously calls all creation, all angels, all heavenly hosts, all of God's work, by implication, all people everywhere to bless and honor and magnify the Lord with him. His heart is full. It's full of God's goodness and faithfulness and kindness and mercy and love and compassion. And that full heart, it just spills over. You ever carried a a cup that's so full or or a bucket of something that's so full and it just can't help but it to spill over? And that's what we see here. Bless the Lord, everyone, everywhere, everything. 
And then we come back to this, the last stanza, the last part of verse 22. Bless the Lord everything, bless the Lord the whole universe and the bookend, full circle. Bless the Lord, O my soul. I'm not sure how they do it uh, in school these days, but when I was a kid, we had to walk to school uphill. No, just kidding. Uh, when I was a kid, you would bring your, your birthday invitations to school, your birthday party invitations to school, and, and you would personally hand them out to your classmates and your friends, and you're saying, I'm having a birthday party this Friday afternoon at McDonald's. Would you please come? I have some invitations to hand out this morning. And they're not really invitations from me. They're actually invitations from God. First is this. For those of you who feel like their spiritual life used to run just fine, but now you can't get it to start anymore. The engine of your life with God won't run. The invitation is this. You need routine maintenance, maybe an overhaul. Don't ignore it. Don't pretend that there's not a problem. The invitation is come and bless the Lord with me and let us exalt his name forever. And listen, it may take time. It'll take patience. It won't be easy. But it is absolutely worth it. And there are people in this room who will walk beside you as you seek to come back in line with God's praise and His glory. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Another invitation for those who feel like things are running pretty well. You feel God's presence and His peace my invitation to you is this, keep doing the regular maintenance and upkeep on your soul. One of the common mistakes that Christians make is to slack off spiritual disciplines when things seem to be going smoothly. My invitation is to come and bless the Lord with me, let us exalt his name forever. The last invitation is for people who may be here this morning who don't know what it means to bless the Lord. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never tasted and seen that the Lord is good. You've never raised the white flag of surrender and said, God, I can't do this. I can't cover up my own sins. I can't, I can't chart a way of life. I'm exhausted. Help me, God. Forgive me, Lord Jesus. Please have mercy. My invitation for you is to come to Jesus and live because he's the bread of life and he's a living water taste and see that the Lord is good bless the Lord oh my soul and let us exalt his name forever let's pray God we love you and we thank you for your word 
especially this passage from your word that speaks so powerfully into our hearts, into our lives, into our souls. And it's not about us, it's about you. So I pray that you would teach us to, to talk to ourselves about the promises of God and that you would, that you would re, reignite and fuel and fan to flame the life of God in the soul of men and women here in, in my heart and in our hearts and in this community. May Jesus Christ be praised. We pray in his name. Amen.